today on Walk in Truth, we explore Esther chapter 5. Esther has decided to make a stand, but now it's time to take that stand. It's one thing to decide to do the right thing. It's quite another to do it. Well, Esther is going to enter into the royal palace, and it's going to be a question of whether the golden scepter will extend to her, and it does. And she stands by grace today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Turn back to Esther chapter 5. Esther has donned herself in the robes of royalty. But I want you to see that she's wrapped herself in another sense in the power of God. And every time you spend time in prayer... Every time you open up the word of God, every time by faith you put on the armor of God, every time you ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit, to give you his eyes and his heart, you're being wrapped with the royalty of the power of God. In fact, we have in us the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now would to God that we would tap into that more. Would to God that we would clothe ourselves with the robes of royalty more. Yes, we are clothed in salvation. That's the difference between the grace words. We are saved by grace positionally right now. We've got it, not by works. But there's another kind of clothing. We gotta put off the old and put on the new. That's something we do after we get saved. We've gotta put on grace. We've gotta clothe ourselves in the garments of grace to fight this battle. The battle against our own flesh, the battle against the devil, the battle against the world, the battle against ourselves, the spiritual warfare that goes on. You could sense at this moment deep breaths being taken outside the palace, you know, the doors of the palace, and I'm sure Esther's kind of doing something like this. Okay, here we go, here we go. Hold on a minute, I need about 10 more of those. I'm sure she had to muster up the courage. I'm sure she was deep breaths, prayer, perspiration, heart palpitations. Oh Lord, help. Oh Lord, be my strength. I've donned these royal robes only because you've put me at this place. And there she is. She's in front of the king's rooms, 5-1 of Esther. The king was sitting on the royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. Behind him is the man with the axe, a Persian Median soldier ready to do the king's bidding. She breathes deep. And it happened when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's the moment right there, right? That's the moment where you're either going to live or die. And the king extended to Esther the golden scepter, which I mentioned to you is pictured in the relief that they dug up from this area, which was in his hand. And so Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. See, what really mattered is whether the king extended the golden scepter. If he did, you lived. If he didn't, you did or you're going to get banished, minimally banished. Uh, in the VeggieTales version of the book of Esther, you know I had to go there, right? Oh, yeah. 
I think at the end of the story, when Haman is found out, he is sent off to the island of perpetual tickling. No, 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 no! And there he is, and someone's got a feather, and, <laughs> and they're tickling him. The island of perpetual tickling, no! Anything but that. I used to do that to my kids when they were younger. I would do Mr. Drill. And I'd get them on the ground, and of course I was strong enough to hold them down, which I'm no longer able to. <laughs> and I'd raise up one of their arms, and right under the armpit, I would go And they'd be kind of laughing, and then it would turn into some crying, and a little bit of laughing. And I would say something like this, did you take the last Snickers bar? Mr. Drill. Anyway. Now they have underarm hair and all that. You can't do that anymore, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> They're like, why does he do that to us? Anyway. I don't put this stuff in my notes. Sometimes it just comes to me. Anyway. The king extended the golden scepter. Some of the commentaries I was reading, from the older commentaries say that Esther came and kissed the top of the scepter. I don't know if that's the case. It just says that she touched it. And uh, it, it, it made me think of a story of the woman with the hemorrhage of blood. Remember what she's saying? If I could only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And then Jesus says, who touched me? And she reveals herself in that moment. And uh, the, the, the king here has held forth the golden scepter. Uh, it's, it's a sign of acceptance. And once you touch it, you become safe in the presence of the king now. You're, you're secure. He, he's given you favor. He's given you a sign of grace. And you touch it, and he extends the scepter. And once you touch it, you receive the grace. And there's commentators of old that have said, even though this is a pagan king in a pagan court, there's a picture of the gospel. Because God extends his grace. He puts out the scepter of grace to us, but we've got to receive it by extending the hand to take it. You see, you're saved by grace, but that's through faith, through the channel of faith. God extends the golden grace, the, the scepter to us, but we've got to receive it We've got to touch it, if you will. It's, it's as though God's saying, my hand goes out uh, all day long. I stretch out my hands, he says of Israel, to a disobedient and obstinate people. And Israel wouldn't come because of unbelief. They wouldn't believe in Jesus. Well, here's Esther, and she has touched the scepter. She's identified with her people, but she's also the queen. It reminds me of Genesis 6-8 when it, the Bible says that Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, finding favor here is the Hebrew word ken. <laughs> or we would just say ken, C-H-E-N. She found grace in the eyes of the king and that's what's happened to you if you're a Christian. You found grace in the eyes of the king. You're able to approach now a throne of grace that you might receive mercy and help in time of need. And you could imagine that there were probably other people in the court. There were seven that were always with the king in the inner court. And maybe they were saying something like this. How dare her? What does she think she's doing? 
She's unsummoned, unsummoned, unsummoned. Maybe the guy with the ax is sharpening it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get to work today. Who does she think she is? Well, she is the queen. But remember, she hasn't been summoned for 30 days. It's been a month since the king has called for her. So she doesn't really even know where she stands with him. But she found favor in his sight. The word for favor or grace in the Hebrew picture language means the fence to protect life. And once she touched the scepter, she was, she was safe. Grace pr protects us from our failures and from our sins. Grace robes us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The golden scepter has gone out and Esther was granted life. She wasn't going to die that day. Esther knew for certain, says one writer, she had obtained this favor when the king seated on his throne extended the golden scepter. He extended it to her and she came near. She touched it. Esther's execution or banishment would have been an ominous uh, sign had the king not done that. It would have meant that the Jewish people were probably going to perish as well. She was kind of a representative or an intercessor or a mediator, if you will. But he did extend it. And by virtue of that, grace was going to go to the people as well. On the third day, in the throne room of the king, Esther was granted life instead of death. Mercy and grace instead of judgment. Such famous uh, Christian exegetes like Martin Luther, Martin Luther associated this beautiful picture of grace with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Grace extended and grace received. He associated the king's scepter with the gospel of Jesus Christ in his exegesis of Psalm 2.9. You will rule them with an iron scepter. He writes, quote, This is the rod before whose tip in the hand of Joseph, Jacob bowed, and whose point the blessed Esther kissed. Grace was extended, and grace was received. I think it's hard for the modern Christian to understand the love of God. But God the Father so loved the world that he gave his Son. It's amazing to think of the great love with which God has loved us, that he extended the golden scepter in sending Jesus Christ into this world, the King of kings and Lord of lords died and bore our sin and shame that we could walk into that throne room and be accepted and be wrapped in grace. As you study the book of Hebrews, you will find uh, five times the phrase draw near. In the book of Hebrews, for example, it says we are to draw near uh, to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. We're to draw near to our great mediator. He ever lives to intercede for us. We're to draw near with confidence and boldness to the throne, not of judgment. We go to a throne of grace. And each time you come to that throne, brothers and sisters, a golden scepter is extended because you're in good standing with the king. You're already royalty. He has decided, little flock, to give you the kingdom. You are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, or depth will ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The scepter stays extended, the gold of royalty to us. Jesus said, you're going to even sit on my throne. You're going to be part of the judging of angels. 
There's going to be a millennial reign of Christ where we'll be kings. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Today, it's very important to know what you believe and why you believe it. Do you have an answer when your friends, family, or coworker asks you about your faith in Christ? The Truth Academy is here to help the believer contend for the faith. You can take online or on-campus classes on subjects like Christian apologetics, Christian doctrine, world religion, contemporary cults, and much more. Enrollment for the spring quarter is open now until April 12th. Visit thetruthacademy.com today to register. That's thetruthacademy.com. See you in class. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. You're in good standing with the king. You're already royalty. He has decided, little flock, to give you the kingdom. You are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, or depth will ever separate you from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The scepter stays extended, the gold of royalty to us. Jesus said, you're going to even sit on my throne. You're going to be part of the judging of angels. There's going to be a millennial reign of Christ where we'll be kings and priests because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Somebody please get excited. The golden scepter, man, is out. Just touch it. Do you realize that a lot of people are going to end up in hell because they simply won't reach out a hand to receive the gift of a king? They're going to actually say, no, I don't want it. I don't want his favor. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to go another way. I'm going to go through another door. I'm going to wrap myself in my own righteousness. It's not going to work. So the king said to her, you can imagine how much she exhaled in these moments, right? Touching that scepter. Oh, thank you, Lord. And the king said to her, what's troubling you, Queen Esther? And what is your request? Isn't that a beautiful response? Of all she could have played in her mind over those three days of fasting, can you imagine how many times she replayed the scenarios? Okay, this could happen. The door may creak when I open it. How tall is the guy with the ax? I don't know. I hope he's having a good day. Maybe she sent him chocolates ahead of time, you know, make sure he's in a good mood. How is the door gonna creak? What will the faces look like when I first, you know, emerge out of the shadows? What's the king going to say? Possible response A, banish her to the island of perpetual tickling. No! That's, that's a light thing, right? She dies. Or the king may be won over by his attendants. No, you certainly must take her life. She has no right to come in here. Can you imagine how much sleep she got in those three days? How many scenarios she replayed? How, how many times she wanted to have ice cream just for comfort food and couldn't eat anything or even drink? Man. To imagine, do you think in her mind, one of the things she replayed is the king saying, what's the matter? What's troubling you? Something like, are you okay? You know, when we play scenarios in our mind, anticipating a big day. We usually think in negative terms, right? We usually make it bigger and more negative than it will ever be, but of course she had reason to, to be concerned. NIV says, what is it, Queen Esther? 
Obviously, the king knew there was some urgent need because why would she risk her life coming, this enormous risk, unless there was some big pressing need? What's troubling you? Do you know when you come to Jesus, that's essentially what he says. He says, cast your burdens to me because I care for you. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I, I'll give you rest. Do you know when you come to the Lord, the Lord could be seen as to say to us, what's troubling you? What's on your heart? And that's okay for you to be in a position before your king who has extended the golden scepter to say, Lord, this is what's troubling me. My heart is heavy. I'm going through this. I'm concerned about this person. I I need your help. I need your power. I need your grace. I need your love. And the good news is, he says, cast all your cares to me because I care for you. I love you. And we hesitate sometimes to give God all of that. And in fact, he says, what is your request Even to half of the kingdom, it will be given to you. Can you imagine that? Man, Esther had to be going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. She didn't know Jesus at this point, but thank you, Lord. At least didn't know the name Jesus. Up to half the kingdom is hyperbole, according to the scholars. It's something that ancient kings used to say, not that they would give you half their kingdom. It wasn't like a divorce court in the state of California. (laughs) That was a little bit of free humor, but it not, might not have been funny to some of you. So anyway. But it was a way of saying, whatever reasonable request you put before me, it'll be done. In Mark chapter 6, it's what Herod said to the daughter of Herodias. They think, I think, uh, they think her name was Salome. And she did the seductive dance before King Herod on his birthday. And he says, okay, he was pleased by her dance. And he says, Ask me what you want up to half my kingdom. I'll give it to you right now. And what did she ask for? The head of John the Baptist on the platter. And she got it. And this is what's going on in this setting. It's a way to say, any reasonable request you put before me, it'll be done. Now, if you're Esther, wouldn't you be tempted to say, Haman's head on a platter right now. That's what I want. And would she be wrong to ask for that? I mean, Haman had gotten the king to sign a decree to exterminate all the Jewish people. Now, what would you do if the king gave you that blank check, carte blanche, door open? Well, here's what she says. She says, if it pleases the king, may the king and Haman, really, (laughs) come this day to the banquet that I've prepared for him. You mean, girl, you had an open door and you told him to come over for dinner? Are you kidding me? Now you're reading the story. Maybe you're a Jewish person reading the story and you're like, no way. She didn't just do that. She had an open door. What's going on? Is this a stall or delay tactic? Was Esther afraid to speak her mind? Did she let fear take over? Well, there's more to come. But I'll tell you this. I think Esther is being very, very strategic. 
I think there's a reason that she didn't belt it out right there. Think of some reasons. She's in the middle of the court with all these other people around. If she says to the king, uh, there's a terrible decree hatched by Haman and you need to reverse it now. The, it's become the law of the, the Medes and Persians and it's, it's irreversible from other things that we've read. He's gonna have to redo a decree that he has his signet ring put on that's gone to all the provinces. In addition to that, Esther is going to have to confess that she's Jewish, which she's been hiding from him for over five years. She's gonna have to tell him, and I'm a Jew, and it's gonna cost me my life if you let this go on. He's gonna have to undo a royal decree. He's gonna have to face Haman, face all the royalty of his court, undo something, admit it was a mistake, uh, you know, yield to his wife's request, even though she's been lying to him, there's a lot going on. And so she decides not to do it right there and right then. And I believe that was very, very wise, and you could even say providential. Sometimes waiting for a strategic moment, even to say something to someone, is the best thing to do. And so she invited them over to a banquet. Seems like this book is filled with banquets, huh? <laughs> banquets that go on everywhere for multiple days. And can you imagine if Esther was cooking? Man, she had to be so hungry. <laughs> Those potatoes never look so good. You know, when you haven't eaten for a while, it doesn't matter what you eat. You're like, that's the best thing I've ever had in my life. Well, the king said, bring Haman quickly that we may do as Esther desires. And so the king and Haman came to the banquet which Esther had prepared. She cooked up a storm apparently and there they went. By the way, here's another note. If Esther had jumped the gun and presented her request to too soon, the king's memory of Mordecai's saving act when he revealed the plot against him wouldn't have been revealed because it happened that, I think that next night nor would the gallows have been constructed on which Haman poetically, poetic justice, dies on. See, God was working out his plan, even the timing, but he was working out in the very normal mode of life. There's no lightning bolts. There's no Red Seas parting. There's no fiery furnace and deliverance by a shiny being. None of that. In the everyday affairs of life, God can work. And when you pray and fast, it doesn't mean that you're not also planning. They're not mutually exclusive, brothers and sisters. Nehemiah prayed in the book of Nehemiah and he planned. And when you're praying and fasting over something, it's okay to think through because uh, God's given you a brain and you're supposed to love him with all your mind and your heart and your soul and your strength. Think about how to best do something. And as they drank their wine at the banquet, the king said to Esther, second time, what is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Even to half of the kingdom, it shall be done. You couldn't have risked your life just to have us over for dinner, girl. What's going on? And so, so Esther answered and said, my petition and my request is, <laughs> you ready? <laughs> if I found favor in thy sight, in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition, do what I request, May the king and Haman come to dinner tomorrow night as well. <laughs> what? Yeah. I paraphrased. May the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I shall prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king says. 
some you know, people reading this have to be thinking, what, why did she delay again? How many opportunities does this girl need? Swing the bat! <laughs> Those of you who have a baseball background will know what I'm saying. Strike one, <laughs> strike two. Your little, le little leaguer steps out of the box, you're like, swing the bat! <laughs> because three strikes and you're out. Come on, man, at least take it off your shoulder. Wink at the pitcher, do something! Well, it is baseball season, and it's easy to sit in the stands and say to someone, ah, oh, you should have swung at that one, or, you know, give the umpire a bad time. It's easy when you're on the outside of a situation looking in. But to be that person in the box, in the moment, with the pressure, that's something different. It's a good thing that Queen Esther and you and I are not alone in those moments of life, and we know that the Lord was there with Queen Esther and will be there for you and I as well. Praise the Lord. Connecting with you is important to me and to everyone on our team at Walk in Truth. So I would love to hear from you. Is there an issue that you're struggling with right now? Do you have a prayer request? Do you have a friend who has a question about the faith and you're not sure how to answer that question? We can send that question to us. We'd love to answer it. In fact, soon we'll be dedicating our Friday show to answering questions from our listening family. And these would be things, you know, that you want to know personally or people around you have been asking those big questions, those little questions that maybe have been bugging you. We'd love to get your input. It'd be much appreciated. You can email or write us, get in touch with us and get all the information on the website at walkintruth.com. Reach out to us today. We would love to hear from you. Well, thanks again for listening to Walk in Truth. Come back tomorrow as you hear the conclusion of Esther chapter 5, Standing by Grace. Until then, God bless you. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.